This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Motor Trend Magazine is named its 2022 Truck of the Year. And there's an Illinois tie. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the Federal Reserve is poised to accelerate the wind-down of their economic stimulus efforts. Joining us now with the latest is Tom Hudson, the week-ahead columnist for McClatchy Tribune News Services in Miami. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Uh, with that uh, that inflation figure coming out last Friday, uh, 6.8%, the highest number since 1982, uh, the pressure is building on the Fed to uh, wind down those emergency coronavirus measures. And uh, if that happens when they meet later this week, the Fed governors, how is that going to look to not only the markets but to the consumer? I think for the markets, it will be a sign of relief, Rob, that the Federal Reserve remains on guard against this inflation, uh, really embedding itself in the economy in a way that gets much more difficult to squeeze out in the months or year ahead. Uh, that's how investors are looking at this action, that the Federal Reserve needs to get off the sidelines, needs to soak up some of the liquid measures that it put into place in the economy many, many months ago to save it from the pandemic and needs to act fast. On the consumer side, it will be slower acting in terms of bringing uh, down the cost, uh, bringing rather rising the cost of borrowing money. I think the, the, the borrowing market still remains very deep, very liquid. On the wholesale side, listen, lots of companies from toy makers to furniture makers, uh, car uh, makers and car dealers are still dealing with these higher costs and supply chain constraints. And so prices that consumers see aren't about to go down anytime soon. Is the economy on solid enough footing that uh, it can withstand an uh, interest rate hike or two? Yes. However, the Federal Reserve is also very concerned, rightfully so, that the economic recovery has yet to reach into all corners of the economy that it needs to in order to help lift up as many Americans as possible. The job market has yet to fully repair itself from where it was prior to the pandemic. We still have uh, millions of jobs that are missing from this economy that otherwise would be here had it not been for this deadly virus and germ. And we also have millions of Americans Americans who have opted out of the labor force for various reasons, some of those public health, some of those economic reasons. And so the Fed is really on the balance beam here between these two mandates it has between stable prices, fighting inflation, and also working to maximize employment. The Federal Reserve did have this uh, toolkit available to them based on lessons learned from the 2008 uh, downturn. They brought those to bear during the coronavirus uh, pandemic shutdowns and the economic fallout. And one could argue that is the reason why we've had such a rapid recovery uh, from the shutdowns. Are they prepared, though, to deal with uh, the the inflation that resulted from the economy recovering as quickly as it did? Uh, Rob, they would hope to be able to fight inflation through their open mouth 
uh, uh, strategy as opposed to their open market monetary strategy. They would rather talk down inflation than have to raise interest rates very sharply. And again, we're not near raising interest rates just yet. What we're likely to hear today is that it's going to speed up its wind down of the economic support that it's provided through the bond buying of tens of millions of dollars of treasuries and mortgage-backed bonds each and every month over the past more than a year. Yes, it does bring up the timeline for it to raise interest rates, but that still is going to be sometime probably, you know, springtime, maybe summer of 2022 at this point. Well, thanks for joining us. Tom Hudson, the week ahead columnist for McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami, Florida. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The all-electric Rivian R1T pickup truck is given top honors from Motor Trend Magazine as its truck of the year for 2022. We welcome in John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, first off, a basic geography question. Uh, is this a situation where uh, the folks who work at the plant in Norma, Illinois, can uh, pat themselves on the back? Where is this truck assembled? It's made right there where you just mentioned, Bloomington, uh, Normal, Illinois. And, yeah, those people can pat themselves on the back. This truck just won the Motor Trend Truck of the Year Award. It's not the last award this truck is going to win. There will be others. And, Rob, it's got incredible specs on it, 835 horsepower, 0 to 60 in three seconds. I mean, we're talking, you know, blinding supercar kind of performance, and yet it's a pickup truck. And that's why everyone's focused on it. Is this um, a game changer for how electric vehicles are perceived? Or has that corner already been turned in terms of uh, electric vehicles going from some sort of futuristic concept to uh, a high-performance vehicle that's also very cool to drive? Well, you know, look, the Rivian is like the third electric pickup that's been announced that is getting mega attention. You know, first was Tesla with the Cybertruck then Ford with the the F-150 Lightning. In fact, there's so much demand for that truck, Ford chopped off the orders because the orders are going out to the end of 2023. Now comes Rivian with its electric pickup truck. There's going to be others. Chevrolet is going to be uh, coming with one as well. And, I mean, it's it, that's a game changer. You know, we're not just talking electric cars. We're talking electric pickup trucks. Those are some of the most conservative buyers out in the market. And who would have thunk that uh, owners who love their gasoline and diesel engines and their pickups, uh, that so many of them would be interested in an electric pickup. Tell us a little bit about Rivian. Um, it is located in Normal, Illinois. It's uh, headquartered. One of their plants is in Normal, Bloomington Normal. Uh, they're headquartered out in uh, Irvine, California. Uh, what is their automotive industry pedigree, and how did that company come together? Well, <laughs> there is no pedigree. I mean, this is truly a startup. Now, having said that, there are a lot of people at Rivian with tremendous amount of automotive experience, you know, that come from largely traditional automakers. You know, Ford Motor Company has invested over half a billion dollars into Rivian. Um, So there's, uh, you know, when you ask about pedigree, It's really one of these uh, EV startups that has hired on a bunch of people with talent. And because the stock market is just crazy about anything EV right now, Rivian is worth more than the Ford Motor Company. Well, John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv based in Detroit. Thank you for joining us. Cashing in with conversation. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Developer Sterling Bay is about to lift the veil on their four-year plan for a mix of office and residential buildings in the Lincoln Yards on Chicago's near north side. Giving us a preview is Danny Ecker, reporter with Crane Chicago Business. Danny, thank you for joining us today. 800,000 square feet of buildings and a park along the north branch of the Chicago River on the old Finkel Steel site. And you, the general public, can uh, see it tomorrow during an open house. What are some of the highlights? Well, it's a uh, uh, pretty impressive first uh, few buildings here that they want to add. They've already broken ground recently on uh, Life Sciences Lab building along Concord Place, which is just north of the Home Depot, uh, North Avenue, if people know the area. Uh, what Sterling Bay is about to show is uh, uh, it's an interesting mixed use of things. They've got a residential building they'd like to build, uh, this office complex that also has an entertainment venue, um, and that would all be built along a promenade that uh, Sterling Bay would kind of uh, would, would run in an L shape that's supposed to be really kind of a destination, a place for people to come and actually have something at Lincoln Yards people will want to come and, and be at here. And uh, just north of all of that would be an open space park with a couple soccer fields and athletic facilities there. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty ambitious uh, plan for the next few years, and that's what they're going to showcase uh at this open house and uh we'll find out whether they're able to uh eventually get the financing to do it all and this would also include an extension of the uh, 606 bike and pedestrian trail too so there is uh, 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 the possibility of of connecting this uh, to the rest of the north side via that bike trail right i mean that was you know access to this site uh, there's always a big question that people had about how is this going to work? The infrastructure that needs to be built to have more roads running through it. It's already a highly congested area, more bridges, the 606 extension you mentioned, uh, you know, they're, they're going to add a sort of a, a canoe and kayak dock. And, and the, ultimately the long-term vision is to, to build, uh, actually a former rail line and reuse a former rail line that runs through the North side there that would allow people to take a, a light rail system from union station all the way up to this site. So, there's a lot of work to be done to fully realize this vision over the next decade plus. This is really the first um, big, big uh, phase that they're going to lay out here and, and, and you know, with a plan to do it uh, all by 2025. The uh, open house tomorrow gives the public a chance to not only look at their plans, but to uh, uh, provide feedback as well. Uh, what are some of the impediments to this vision uh, actually being realized? You mentioned financing. Uh, what question marks remain there? And uh, is it possible that neighbors could derail this as well? Well, it's important to remember that this whole master plan for Lincoln Yards was approved in 2019. We're actually coming up on almost three years since city council approved the plan for this. Uh, so the feedback that's, that they're going to be gathering from the community is part of what they, uh, what the developer Sterling Bay agreed to back in 2019. They're, they're fulfilling that obligation to gather feedback from the community. They also will have to make a courtesy presentation of what they want to do to the Chicago plan commission. But generally speaking, this has been approved already. So you know, when we talk about things that would derail it, the financing thing is a big question. You know, will they have the money put up and will, do they have to do a lot of pre-leasing of these buildings or anything like that before they would start building them? And then, uh, you know, the TIF question is also out there because as many people recall, there's a TIF district that was created that would uh, encompass this site. And that had a lot to do with helping fund the infrastructure that was going to make a lot of this possible. 
um, that there would be reimbursements from the TIF district uh, as as property taxes in this area grew. So that's a big question uh, that Sterling Bay will have to answer again over the next decade in in in, uh, in different phases. But those are the types of obstacles that lie ahead of them here when they uh, as they kind of go about to the next phases of development. Danny Ecker, reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Markets are trading lower, much lower to start this Monday. Joining us with the latest in what's moving Wall Street is Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios based in San Diego. You can check out Jim's website, macrotides.com. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Uh, what is the uh, reason why the uh, markets uh, have this case of the Mondays? Well, uh, two things. First of all, uh, information out of uh, England regarding the Omicron variant, uh, you know, was a little unsettling in terms of case counts rapidly rising. And secondly, I think the reality is the the markets are waking up to what the Fed is likely to do uh, on Wednesday at the conclusion of this, uh, uh, you know, the next FOMC meeting. On Friday, they kind of shrugged off the CPI numbers because a lot of people were looking for a pretty high number. The Fed obviously is not going to ignore a CPI that's the highest in 39 years. So I, I think the Fed will go $30 billion in terms of the tapering. I think they actually would be wise, Rob, to go $45 billion. They don't have the courage to do that. So I think they'll stick with the $30 billion. Now, this is uh, so this is basically uh, the expectations game here uh, yep. in, in terms of uh, not only what the Fed is going to do later this week, but also uh, what they expect as far as the Omicron variant of COVID-19 uh, is concerned. You know, when it comes to trying to figure out, you know, what a new COVID variant will do to the economy and what kind of impact and drag it will have, you know, where do investors turn? Uh, is it simply just based off of information they're receiving from Bloomberg terms? Or uh, do they uh, get really granular and go into medical texts and uh, and get that type of analysis? <laughs> I can assure you, most aren't going into medical texts uh, to find out. I, I mean, I think the obvious call, Rob, over the last few weeks was that uh, the Delta variant would see another surge after the Thanksgiving holiday, and in fact, that's what is happening. And the Omicron is just another element of uncertainty that's added on top of that. So. I look at the market technically, and on Friday I sent out a special update to people who subscribed to my my letters uh, in that if the S&P wasn't able to get above 47.20 and then subsequently drops below 4,600, the odds are the S&P is going to go to a lower low than what we saw on December 3rd when it got down to 44.95. Technically, the market, you know, the S&P made a new high on Friday, Rob, and yet there were more stocks. Uh, over the last 21 days that we're making new lows than new highs. So the breath underneath the surface has continued to be really weak. And that usually is a tell in terms of the market reacting negatively to any piece of news. And then when it comes to uh, the Fed's efforts to fight inflation uh, as they start tapering off of these emergency measures from uh, nearly two years ago, uh, is there a sign that uh, investors are looking for that uh, inflation, at least as measured by the CPI, is uh, beginning to turn a corner, that uh, 6.8 might be uh, the peak? Well, what they did jump on on Friday, Rob, was, gee, the month over month dropped slightly. So they're looking for anything to justify it. The reality is that inflation in the next couple of months, especially core inflation, is going to continue to ramp higher based on the inflation values that we saw in December and January of last year. So, you know, again, 
people are looking for the slightest crumb. The reality is inflation is going to intensify. Shelter inflation is on the rise. Wage inflation is on the rise. So even though I think we're going to see a big drop in inflation in the second quarter of next year, the core rate is, is going to be more stubborn. So, uh, again, I think people are going to start to price in more tightening than what the Fed will probably be delivering in 2022. But the markets aren't going to like that process. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios based in San Diego, California. The website, macrotides.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. You know, having the right credit card can be helpful in funding your retirement. Joining us to explain is Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com based in New York. Ted, thanks for joining us today. Uh, tell us how people can use their credit cards uh, to give themselves a little treat in retirement later on. Yeah, we all love cash back, but what's really great is if you put your cash back to work in investments. You could do this directly with certain credit cards like the SoFi credit card or the Fidelity Rewards Visa Signature, or you could just do it on your own, which requires a little more discipline. But the point is, if you take this found money and invest it, it could turn into a lot more. Like, for example, if you spend, let's say, $2,000 a month on credit cards and you get 2% cash back, well, that's $480 a year, but if you invest that with a 10% return, so if you do that for 10 consecutive years, your contributions plus the investment gains, you're going to end up with about $10,000, and half of that are your contributions, which were rewards, basically free money, and then the other half are investment gains. If you draw this out over a longer time horizon, it's even better. This could be a good tactic. And it's one thing, uh, and you point this out too, it's very important to note the, to pay off your credit cards on time every month because if you do carry a balance, that balance does bring with it interest and uh, whatever you pay in interest will wipe out whatever you're saving as far as, the, uh, uh, as, far as, as what you invest. Absolutely, yeah. You have to be really disciplined about paying these credit cards off on time and in full, avoiding interest, that's really the only way it works for you because the average credit card charges about 16%. So if you're getting one or two or even 5% cash back, it's still less than the interest rate. Now, is this a new innovation have, or have people been doing this? And if so, uh, how many people do this uh, out of the you know, total universe of uh, rewards credit, credit card users? It's starting to catch on more broadly. So some of this has been around for a while, like that Fidelity card. That's been around for years and was kind of a forerunner of this concept. More recently, though, we're actually seeing crypto as a big theme with investing credit card rewards. There's this BlockFi Rewards Visa Signature card. They give you 1.5% cash back in crypto on every purchase. And they say they have about 70,000 users. So that's one way if you really want to kind of gamble with some found money, um, do that with a crypto card. SoFi has a credit card that 
if you invest your rewards in their own investment platform, you could actually buy crypto or you could buy stocks, bonds, mutual funds. So that's another relatively new card that's kind of blurring the lines here a little bit. I, I like the concept. What is the relationship between the uh, credit card industry and cryptocurrency? Uh, uh, there, It sounds like uh, they're developing uh, some partnerships. Is it still tentative? Are the big credit card companies in the research phase? Where are we at? It's really still in the early stages, and it's primarily on the reward side. So even that is early stage. But in terms of actually being able to spend crypto on a credit card, we're not really there yet. There's a lot of concerns with respect to the valuation, the capital gains, the fact that true believers who may want to hold on for dear life, they may not want to spend this anyway. So at least so far with credit cards and really other payments, crypto is not so much a payment method at this point, but it is an asset class that some people are drawn to. They like the investment. So right now in the credit card world, we're seeing a growing number of cards allowing you to earn rewards in crypto, but not necessarily spending it directly. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Hey, it's Stock Picker Monday, and joining us with a pair of investment ideas is Tim Grisky, who is a senior portfolio strategist with Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. Tim, thanks for joining us today. You have uh, two stocks to bring to the table, including one that's uh, fairly well-known and also part of a big acronym. Uh, it is indeed, Rob. Uh, but I'm going to start out with uh, the other name, Cintas. Uh, this is the uh, uniform rental company uh, and facility services. That's 80% of their business is providing uh, uniforms, uh, not only to hotels, resorts, but also to the healthcare industry. Uh, and, you know, a lot of different businesses also in manufacturing. Uh, the uh, rest of the business, uh, first aid, uh, and safety devices, about 10% of the business, and uh, the uh, fire protection services, so fire extinguishers and all of that, another 10% of the business. Uh, this company has really been benefiting from the pandemic. It has forced some of its smaller competitors uh, to fold sh up shop, uh, and they've come into those markets and gained a lot of market share. Uh, the earnings here have been very strong as of sales in the last quarter, uh, earnings were up almost 13%. Um, and uh, the growth in sales was almost 9%. So this is a, we think, a great company. They've consistently returned cash to shareholders, both through dividends and share repurchases. Uh, they are smart operators. It was a, a family-run business for many, many years. Uh, but it's a significant company and somewhat of a cult stock. Uh, people really fall in love with it, and uh, it has uh, proved uh, to do well for them. Cintas Corp is C-T-A-S. That's the ticker symbol. And then uh, the next one, a biggie, just changed its name, uh, but still trading as uh, FB, uh, Facebook. Yes. Uh, so this was the, the company you were referring to earlier, controversial name. Uh, it's been a little bit weak lately, not all that weak, but uh, it has certainly uh, had some challenges here. Uh, scandals have rocked Facebook. Uh, the testimony in front of Congress uh, about hateful content is certainly in the news. To us, all that provides is an opportunity for the stock. I mean, look at this stock. Revenue last quarter up 35% year over year. 
uh, earn EBITDA uh, up 28% year over year. These are very strong numbers. Uh, the company has uh, survived very well. Apple's new privacy, privacy policy, which uh, limits the amount of data that can be collected from Apple users, but that has not uh, hurt its advertising growth, which has just consistently marched forward. And small advertisers really benefit from Facebook. Uh, the price tag for advertising is not all that big. Uh, that allows smaller companies to advertise and to target advertising. Uh, I think that is a, a big benefit for Facebook and for its uh, not only the Facebook brand, but the Instagram brand. Uh, in terms of, of Instagram uh, and Snapchat, which is also part of, uh, of Facebook here, uh, you know, that, uh, that those uh, platforms are really growing. And they, I'm sorry, WhatsApp, not Snapchat. Uh, and uh, they really haven't monetized them as much as they have Facebook. So that's the, the growth ahead for uh, Facebook. We think it's a real opportunity at today's prices. The company is called Meta now, but on, the, on, on Wall Street, it's still FB. That's the ticker symbol for Facebook stock. Thanks for joining us. Tim Grisky, senior portfolio strategist, Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.